been traveling and you've been moving and do, are you somewhere safe? Are you, what are, where are you anyway? Back in LA, back in Hollywood land, just in time for the scorching summer. Be great. Well, I'm saying welcome back, Cotter, but I assure you don't want me to. Yeah. <laughs> And how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I actually uploaded last week because Wilder was gone, 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 and she didn't want to do The Handmaid's Tale anyway. So I uploaded a, a Handmaid's Tale uh, season four and been getting a lot of response. You know, people are really starting to look at it. And here's just a really quick one that came in from Destinera. And I think I think you live in, a, in uh, England because what you said is we're still totally locked down. But when you mentioned that The Handmaid's Tale is too close to home for comfort, I feel the same way now. I just didn't realize that's why it terrifies me so much. I also recognize that you're right. The women have finally found their own, and now the men are chasing them, trying to catch up. It makes it a good season. It is dark, you guys. I hope everybody will take another look at it if you haven't. So I just wanted to start with that. And secondly... Wilder and I decided we were going to go and be smart people this week. And we're doing two, one's a film and one's a documentary. And we decided we were going to start and do documentaries this week. And we'll try to get at least one in every month. But the first one is Operation Varsity Blues. And everybody remembers it. It's been out for a while. It's on Netflix. And it's that college entrance scandal where movers and shakers paid Rick Singer to get in to different colleges, including USC, Yale, and Stanford. So it premiered to critical acclaim with, and the writers were basically praising the traditional documentary style interviews and also the reenactments of wiretapped conversations and stuff. And they brought in actors to play singer, et cetera, because they didn't actually have them. And they liked the combination of the two. So I thought we should look at this in two ways. The first way is as a documentary, did that work for you? And did you feel that it lessened the credibility of the documentary? Because people did think that was actually Singer. And number two, the content within it in terms of the scandal itself. So I thought we should go from both those approaches. Are you okay with that, Wilder? Of course. Of yeah. course. So, Wilder, you wanted to do this one. Tell me why. You wanted to do this one. <laughs> oh, I did? Never mind. Then. <laughs> okay. All right. In terms of the scandal itself, a couple of people, I talked to a couple of people who also saw it. They were so glad that Felicity Huffman and um, Lauren Laughlin were not major parts of this documentary, even though because they were all over the news everywhere. Did you agree with that, leaving them sort of out? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I did not like this documentary at all. Okay. I didn't think that that balance of the reenacting those calls was good. I, I don't mind hearing the calls. I think that's great for all of us to to understand that these were real conversations, but it just felt really cheap to me. They hired actors to do this. It's not authentic. And isn't that what's pro no. wrong with society right now anyway? And so here we are mm -hmm. showing something as quote, a documentary when the truth is you've got actors hired to play the roles. Yeah. It's, it's essentially a scripted movie because they're just reading the lines of the people who were working with Rick, which is fine, but it just, it makes it feel, it makes it feel scripted. It makes it feel narrated. And it doesn't give you that feel of a documentary where it feels like they're presenting you with facts and it feels like they're telling you a specific story. And they also didn't really take a point of view at all. And I understand the idea of being an unbiased documentarian and, and just letting the story tell itself. I get that. But there are so 
so many repercussions. There's so many consequences for this story in particular, especially for the generation that's trying to get into school now. And they don't talk about the class issue. They don't talk about the diversity <laughs> issue. They don't talk about well, any of it. Talk about how this should, you know, what's, where's the scandal? I mean, people are going to jail over this. And the truth is everybody from Jared Kushner's father to everybody else paid money to the directly to the schools. Mm-hmm. So there's now a middleman taking the money. I don't understand why that's a felony. And the Kushner's father can give $2 million to Harvard. And then he doesn't have to meet the criteria that Harvard says it uses. I mean, there is something totally wrong. You're absolutely right. But also, didn't you think there was an inordinate amount of girls that were being... Yeah. I kept waiting for some guy who was... They purchased his ability to get in. How come it was all females? What is that There's about? There's like one male water polo player that they talk about, and the rest of them are mostly girls. They're also like... There are so many great colleges out there. My fiance is a, he's a tutor for this. Like this is literally what he does is help kids get into college, but like the right way. And watching this movie, it was just like, if you can't get into that school on your own merit, you can't keep up with the schoolwork at that school once you're there. So what's the point, right? Like most of these kids aren't going to value their education anyway. They don't need a higher education or they certainly don't need an Ivy or a USC. They've got the name already, like paying to get them in. To be fair, we do have to look at this from an accurate point of view. And the truth is that, for example, at Princeton, for every 25 people that apply, one gets in. Yeah, Okay. if that. But the other 24 people, it's not that you don't belong there. They actually do belong there. There just aren't enough spots. So the top people in their class, the top people in their scores and things like that, there's no room for them. So it's not that you don't belong in those schools. It's that they're just not large enough to take the number of people who would want to go there. You know, it's it's an exclusive. Sure. But of the 20, so, so let's say that one in 25 gets in, but that's of the 25 that belong there. It's really like closer to one in a hundred, I think, that actually get in now. It's a lot harder to get into an Ivy these days than it used to be. I mean, it was always hard to get into Ivies, but it's a lot harder to get into college in general. But there are so many schools out there, and a lot of them are there really are. There are great schools. But to say even that even if they're well, not Ivy or private, yeah. But to say that if you don't get in, you don't deserve to be there is is not actually accurate. Many. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is, if you're having to skirt the system to get into this school and you don't have the grades and you don't have the performance to have gotten in on your own merit, let's say you're not part of that 25 that should have gotten in, you should go to a school that reflects your wants, desires, and capabilities if you're able to afford going to school at all, right? That's a whole other conversation that they don't address at all in this documentary. Well, the documentary is strictly the singer's story. And by the way, I checked just because I thought it'd be good to do an update. He's still not in jail. Yeah, I mean, he's the one who absolutely deserves to be in jail. What the hell? And it looks like he may never do time. So from a documentary standpoint, in terms of the storyline itself, I think it's an interesting storyline. I just think there should be more people included. And if it's a felony for the middleman to like him to get in trouble, then it should be a felony for the school to say, we have a certain criteria. If you don't meet it, you don't get in. And yet $2 million from Kirshner, you're in, you know, so... But secondly, it's interesting. Michelle Roos wrote in Vogue, here's what she said. These dramatic, albeit a little bit cheesy, scenes wield a strange power. She's talking about when they've reenacted things with the actor scene. 
Modine acting out Singer's real life, wiretapped conversations with high-powered parents, only highlights the largest college admissions scandal in U.S. history's full outrageous scope. You know, she liked it. Most of the reviewers, the big deal reviewers that I've read, they like this reenactment concept. I think it's a fine line to walk where you can get in real trouble because people watching it, I asked a couple people who had seen it. So do you think that was really Singer in there? And they did. And so that's terrible. (laughs) Well, it is because this is exactly what's wrong with our society and as a whole is that authenticity Mm -hmm. and reality are just being sort of set aside. If they start to call things a documentary that are not truly documentaries, I think they should be called something else, a docudrama. Yeah. You know that the story is being woven in a way that becomes a story rather than a quote documentary. I had a real problem with that. That was my biggest problem with the whole thing. Although I certainly didn't turn it off and I certainly didn't play on my Apple when I was, you know, my phone when I was watching it. So I enjoyed it. I must have. Well, exactly. Okay. That's wilder for you. But so. But a lot of people saw it. It was very, very successful for Netflix. And I'm not saying you shouldn't watch it. I'm certainly saying that you could watch it. And I was really glad they didn't sensationalize it by using the stardom stuff that went through with that. So Sure, I think that's important. I just, I think if you're going to make a documentary about something this impactful, you have to have something to say. And yeah. it didn't seem to me that the documentarians had anything to say. And, you know, that's fine when, you know, I, I watched... The last blockbuster, uh, which is also on Netflix, which is very ironic. They made a documentary about the last surviving blockbuster, which is in Bend, Oregon. And it's delightful, right? It's all about, you know, movie culture in the in the nineties and in early aughts and how Blockbuster didn't survive against Netflix and, you know, really chronicling the the manager's life of this last blockbuster. It doesn't have very much to say, but that's not a topic that we need to have a, an in-depth conversation about, right? It marks a moment in time, which I think sure. is important. Yeah. And it's super fun. It's a light watch. If you're nostalgic for the 90s, go for it. It's a blast. But And you'll learn some cool, funny facts that you didn't know before. This is a really impactful topic. It's going to have a consequence on generations to come on getting into school right? This whole system is now going to be reviewed as to how they allow children into colleges. And this documentary didn't have anything to say about it other than this happened. And I get that. I understand that as an approach to telling a story, but I didn't, I didn't think I learned anything in watching this other than I felt really bad for the sailing coach at Stanford. Like he seemed like a guy who got taken advantage of, and maybe that's how it colored it, that he didn't really know what he was doing when he took this money. I wasn't sure I bought his whole scene, but I, you know, I can't say for sure, you know, so. Sure, but I don't that's know, the thing but, also um, is like, there's no lens there. Right. Okay, so let's move on. Let's move on to the second thing that, again, I chose, Percy versus Goliath, which is another one I brought in, and it's on Prime Amazon. And it's the story, I don't know how many people remember it. I went to the University of Nebraska, so it's a big deal. It was based on the events of, of this 1998 lawsuit, which took place in Canada. And when it starts out, you think they're in America, but they're not. They're in Canada. And he's a small farmer who had to go up in the end against Monsanto, which let's face it, Monsanto, a small farmer, what's the question? That's Percy versus Goliath, great title, no problem with it, but it's about the genetically modified GMO canola grain, you know, the harvests that were coming in on canola. And what's happened is Monsanto does this terrible 
thing you put on the seeds and it kills all the weeds but keeps the seed okay although probably doesn't even do that right but anyway with air and everything else there's no distance between one field and another so if one farmer puts it on it's very likely that the farmer next door is going to have the monsanto product on their grain and then what happens is monsanto tests it and then they get sued by monsanto because they're saying we own the product because you didn't buy it from us you got it from them next door now what's interesting about this is what's also happened is we're talking about genetically modified organic growth and what's happened is now there's no more pure i mean the damage that monsanto's done is 10 times larger than just this particular thing but he goes up against monsanto and he doesn't stop because he keeps believing somewhere that what's happening is going to get better well they're suing him for patent infringement it's actually monsanto comes after him to begin with and then percy fights for his right to continue growing his seed because he's the seed farmer he sells his seed yeah he builds the seed yeah Christopher Walken plays Percy Schmeiser. What did you think of the film without Christopher Walken? And what did you think of the film as a whole? I thought this had the opportunity to be a really interesting story, a really interesting movie, the type of story I'd like to make. And I feel like it did not live up to its potential, personally. Why is that? I was bored. I mean, you're literally watching crops grow in this movie. And honestly, it's a legal drama. And it's really hard to make a legal drama interesting. It's a tough task. There were some really great moments of emotionality. There's a point at which he goes to India and he sees the harm that Monsanto has done worldwide. And that, that's a really poignant mark in the film. But otherwise, it felt all of one tone to me, all of one note. There was no levity. There wasn't a moment where you sit back and really... It wasn't until the very end that I could really understand what legal battle he was actually even fighting. They don't really explain it very well. The Christina Ricci character is a mess. Uh, I love her, but her character's quite a disaster in the film, even though she's very helpful, but then she goes back on her word. And it's just, they kind of try to plant in this relationship between him and his son, and that doesn't really pay off either. I, I really liked Zach Braff, who I normally don't like very much at all, but he was delightful. And I thought Chris Walken was great. I mean, when is Chris Walken not great? He's always a delight to watch. But this movie for me was was quite a drag. You know, I went to I think the 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 interest for me also might be larger in that I went to the University of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of weekends on these small farms with these small farmers who have had their farms for generations. And they don't think of themselves as much as farmers as they do caretakers of the land that's been brought to them by generations of their family. And your job is to make the land more fertile, better, and make sure that your kids can take it over the next round. And Christopher Walken, I think, in this particular film was genius because two things. There's not a lot of humor on a farm. And I think it's good that they didn't try to make it funny because it's not. Farming is really, really hard work. And you work your ass off for very little reward in the end of the day. And also, Christopher Walken, one of the things he does brilliantly in this film is he shows the confusion, even when the papers arrive and he's like, wait, I'm being sued. I don't understand. I don't understand. All through it, we saw his inability to comprehend what had happened to him by Monsanto and to his community, which was being blown up by this debacle. 
And he just didn't know what hit him because if you give him a farming problem, if you say this seed isn't growing, that guy knows how to address that and he becomes very verbal and very animated and everything else. But you were taking him totally out of his sweet spot. Sure. And I think that's why Monsanto's been so good at what it's done because these farmers don't understand how big corporate world works. And if you can look at it from the perspective of the guy never had a prayer to really get what was happening to him. And if he had been a different kind of guy, most farmers cave into Monsanto, they give in, they take it on, they end up buying what Monsanto tells them to buy, they do what they're supposed to do. And that's normally what happens. So I think Christopher Walken's ability to understand how that farmer thinks was right up there with what I saw for four years when I would go to Jeanette Fossler's farm in Beatrice, Nebraska. I would work in the field with her dad during harvest time who loved to say, smell this Milo, isn't it amazing? He could talk to me in the field, but at the dinner table, he said nothing. Sure. And I, I think all that's really important. I also think it's important that a film be understood by its audience and be relatable and be at its root entertaining. And I'm not saying it should have been a comedy. It shouldn't have been a comedy. But a good film is able to play with levels. A good film is able to find those moments that are humorous, that can give us a break from the drama that we're going on this journey with. And I never felt that in this. I never had a moment to sit back and appreciate this beautiful family that he'd had and the disconnect between him and his son and how that was okay, right? You know, they come full circle at the end with the daughter saying that, the the granddaughter saying that she wants to be a farmer when she grows up, which is adorable, but, you know, we're not really a part of the conflict between him and his son. We never really touched that. And I think it's not the main point of the story, which is fine. But there's no moment to breathe in this movie. And it's not a heavy hitting drama. It's not Schindler's List, right? You're not sitting there on the edge of your seat at the horrors that are happening. It's an important story. And it's also an important story to understand and to understand why Monsanto is able to get away with what they're doing. And that was the piece of it that I think they missed. Well, a couple of things. You said, you know, it was not relatable. Well, if unless you are on the farm understanding these people, you have to get out of yourself watching it and you have to say, what is he experiencing? And then it, it's not a question of relating to it as much as it's saying, wow, those guys have a very different life than I do. And isn't this a great exposure for me to have it? And absolutely, I feel that that was one of the great reasons to see the film is to say to yourself, and this is one of the problems in our country is we do not relate to each other anymore. Mm -hmm. We do not understand point of view. We do not understand that. And so when we sit there and say, well, but I couldn't relate to this movie and I was not engaged and entertained by it. This is not a movie to be entertained by. It's a movie to really understand a group of people you will never know. See, but that's, I think where we disagree because I think any movie is to be entertained by whether it's a drama, whether it's a horror, whether it's whatever genre it's coming out of, at the base, at its root, a film is entertainment. And that doesn't mean I need to be chuckling or on the edge of my seat at every, and I shouldn't come out of it having learned something. But if that's what they were going for, if you're only supposed to understand this person's life, there's universality in character, right? And if I don't understand the struggle that you're up against, which in, in a sense I did, but I couldn't grasp the entirety of the fight that he had taken on. And I think that's a disservice to the audience because 
they hit it later on in the movie when they say there's not one guy, right? It's a team of lawyers, right? Monsanto isn't Joe Monsanto, right? That you're up against. It's a massive corporation. And that's the thing I don't think they fully represented in the movie is just how much, and it's what Christina Ricci's character was there to try to explain to us is that you're never going to win, right? They have so much money. They have all the resources. You're never going to win. And that's, I think, the piece of it that fell short for me was understanding the Goliath that he was up against because there wasn't an ability for him to understand it. We as an audience didn't understand it. And I think that's the disservice to the movie is we weren't fully appreciative and able to relate to the struggle he's up against because we couldn't fully understand it. At least I could as an audience member. Yeah, I, you know, and I could. And not only could I, I, t- I saw it with a couple of other friends. We watched it different times and then chatted about it. And they could too. They found it really eye-opening in terms of understanding what these farmers are dealing with. You know, they're dealing with mm-hmm. a very small myopic life that has changed dramatically because of things like Monsanto and because of the government who has made it so they can't make money farming. I mean, it's a major, lots of things going on around there. Your point around Christina Ricci from the get-go, she's a bad guy. She says right out of the gate that she's using him because she knows he can't win, but what he can do is if she uses him properly, he can bring tremendous exposure to their organization. And that's her goal. She says that out of the get-go. So right away, knowing what I know about farmers and everything else, we're totally distrusting of her because we know that she's using him. And finally, his wife looks at her and says the same thing. You know, why are you here? You're not here for him because if you were, you would respect when he says no, you know. So right out of the gate, she makes it very clear, states it when she's talking to her boss, when he says, why would we take this on? And she said, look, I know we can't win. It's not about him. It's about getting exposure for our organization. So I think they wove that character brilliantly. So you wanted to like her because she was saying the right things to him and supporting the wife. But we knew all along from day one that she was the mongoose in the issue and she was the bad guy. So yeah, she's also the only female, prominent female character in the movie. You didn't wife was prominent i thought she was huge i don't think she's she has one really pivotal scene towards the end and that's about it otherwise she's kind of in the background nodding along with what percy says yeah but that is exactly what leads up to that pivotal scene the wife of a farmer has a job and then she has her community and the community feeds the wife of a farmer and the wife of a farmer feeds the farmer and supports him and every time they showed her standing in the room with all of his jars of seeds that he's made for the last 50 years and she's standing right behind him it's to show us this woman he's nothing without her and so i felt like that pivotal moment when she says you haven't lost everything you have me i thought god the lead up to that i thought was genius and i thought it was an incredibly important role Mm, i felt it was pretty stereotypical (laughs) and Stereotypical. Very, I don't know. It felt cloying to me. I didn't connect with this movie near as much as you did, yeah. I think. Um, well, and, and again, I, I started off by saying, because I went to the University of Nebraska and I've actually had experience on farms, I think that helped me to connect to it. Right, but that shouldn't be necessary, right? It shouldn't uh, be necessary to go to a... I, and I went to UC Davis, which is an agricultural school, right? I have an absolute reverence for the farming community, especially for the animal community. And 
you have to learn all that stuff when you go there. And I didn't connect to this movie in, in the same way that you did. I think that's a lack of storytelling on their part, of, yeah. of depth of character and community. I didn't understand why the community turned against him. I didn't understand why she was kicked out of the pie committee. Like those kinds of things. I, I get that it was tearing the community apart, but I didn't understand why it tore them apart. Okay, the community turned against him because they needed Monsanto to make money and to survive. Sure, but I should have been able to get that from the movie. Well, I think he, they say that. Look, I want to help you, but I can't do that. His fellow neighbors come to him numerous times and say, please don't do this. You know, you're, you're breaking us apart and we need Monsanto. I can't survive. My farm will not survive without it. I'm asking you not to do this. I don't know how much clearer they can get. I thought it was right there in your face. But, you know, again, your experience was different. But I'm reading through, I read through some of the reviews on IMDb, and I would certainly, especially because we don't agree at all on this, I think a lot of people did see pieces of it and say, I had no idea this was what it was like to be a farmer in this kind of situation. I had no idea. They had no idea what the small, now a small farm, by the way, is designated in this country as anybody who takes in gross of 350000 a year. Now, if you take in a gross on your farm of 350000 a year, maybe your net is forty grand yeah. because it's so expensive to farm. And the whole thing can turn around on you in a dime with bad weather or early frost or whatever. So I think that if you can approach the film from the perspective that maybe I'm bringing to it, which gives you maybe a little more enlightenment that, you know, Elizabeth said she didn't get from it. I totally get that. But I think a lot of people were able to at least pull some of it out and say, I had no idea this is what it's like for these people. I totally agree with that. Um, and that's why I said at the top, like, this is the kind of story I'd like to make because I do think it's really important. I just felt that the the film as a whole missed for me. I did find it interesting that they used America the Beautiful at the end when they're telling a story in Canada. <laughs> well, that part, I felt the Canada thing was problematic. They should have let me know right out of the gate. I thought they were in Nebraska or Iowa or somewhere. Yeah, they mentioned Saskatchewan. They did, but I didn't, I didn't decide. This is what that. I'm saying. There were a lot of things that were like really quick that... I felt should have been really embedded in the storytelling so that we could really grasp and understand everything you just said is, is so enlightening about the life of a small farmer and netting 40 grand for a year's worth of work. That's all stuff I wish I would have been able to grasp in watching the film. I grasped the idea of it, mm -hmm. but the, the actual facts of that, I think, could have been useful. Well, the other thing is it shows you, again, the myopic life of a farmer, the community he's in. I have moved to Maine recently, and I was talking politics with my caretaker at my house, and he was saying, I don't think about Washington because Washington doesn't affect me. I've, mm -hmm. My father before me lived here, my father's father lived here, and what matters to me is my community here. And I take care of my community here and they take care of me. And my life is not bigger than this town that I live in. It's interesting because it's also a farmer's perspective. And so for us to be able to go in and have that sort of look of seeing that once he gets outside his bubble, it's like, what, where am I? You know, like even when he went to India, where the hell am I? You know, it's just so out of the realm and it's not something they think about wanting to do. You know, you have to you work toward the season. So there's no time to go hanging around all over the world and travel. And his son, the relationship with his son, which you mentioned earlier, and I didn't want to let that go by without mentioning. 
a farmer like him does not understand when his son doesn't go into farming because it's a legacy that goes back generations. And he says at the beginning, my family's been doing this for four generations. I don't know what's going to happen to this farm because my son wants to go off and be a teacher. He has that conversation with somebody. And so I think that conversation helps us understand the chasm between the two, whereas the son's like, I don't want to do this. Why should I have to live the life that was my legacy? And the farmer's saying, because that's your legacy. I mean, there's, it, this happens everywhere. It happens in urban areas yeah. where a doctor says, what do you mean you're not going to be a doctor? So it's interesting. I think it's interesting because what, what I felt was laid out, you know, you clearly didn't see it in that same way. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is a slow burn. I think Chris Walken's great, but I think it's all kind of the same tone throughout the movie, which is fine. But in looking at the story, I think I would have approached it very differently. And in all honesty, I I think one of the most interesting aspects of the movie is when he goes to India and you learn that these farmers are in India are committing suicide rather than having to live with the debt that they owe to Monsanto. That to me is, and they don't go into it very much. They handle it pretty delicately and kind of at arm's length. But that I, I saw that and went, hang on, what's happening here? And we don't really get to know that. But that's, to me, I was like, well, hang on, (laughs) tell me more about this. There's clearly a global conversation that needs to be happening here. That's not the story this movie is focused on, but it does open up a lot of those doors for you to kind of pique your interest. It's that secondary story that sort of wakes me up, Wilder, where I think to myself, we Americans go around as if the world thinks we're the best thing since Pepsi-Cola. And when you see those moments in a movie like this where India says, it's your Monsanto, it's your company that's doing this, it's your country, it's your greed for money in your country that has totally decimated my entire community, you know, mm-hmm. you, you recognize that the American capitalist way may not be the best thing for the globe. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. Absolutely. It's an important movie. I hope people will see it and try to get outside your own perspective. You know, I always say, you know, you need to see a mirror of yourself and a window into that which you aspire to be. And when you don't, it's really hard to understand it. And I saw a mirror of myself because of my four years in Nebraska. But I'm not sure I wouldn't have felt exactly the same way you did if I had seen it without that mirror. You know, I just want to be clear. I don't think that every movie should be relatable to me personally. I just think all stories that we're telling, everyone should be able to catch a glimpse of themselves in there or be able to understand what this character is going through and relate to some kind of struggle. And while I appreciated the struggle that Percy was going going through, I didn't I didn't fully understand it because I don't think that the film set me up to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously didn't do a good enough job if you have no experience in the area. So, but go see it anyway. I'm begging you, you know, so, um, and I think that you might gain something, especially with me trying, you know, now, if you went back and watched it now, after I laid all that out, I bet you'd see it maybe a little differently. Probably. Yeah. You know, it's true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) All right. So next week, God knows what we're going to think about what we're doing, but I think we'll sort of, Stay away from documentaries, but I think documentaries. <laughs> I think that, but not I, all documentaries are, are that polarizing. No, that's true. But well, and also it's not really polarizing; just a different take on it. But I think they're important now, and I think there's a lot of them out there now. Mm-hmm. And there's something in many of them, much more than I've ever seen before. Haven't you noticed that? 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's also there's just so much content out there now, and I think one of the few things that we were kind of able to make during the pandemic were documentaries, um, yeah, because they're a little more scrap and grab. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, I watched the QAnon documentary, and that was very clearly like just him and one other guy and the camera. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, crazy, right? Really crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy story too. I know. <laughs> uh, camera. I mean, we should interview a camera person at some point in time for sure. Anyway, so we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, Wilder, for putting up with two things that were not exactly at the top of your head. <laughs> Happy to, Hollister. Always happy to. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.